Welcome, listener. You got to tune into the latest episode of the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast, your weekly dip into the beautiful game here in the Great Lakes State. My name's Robert Kerr, your loyal host with you once again. I've joined the COVID club, so I understand now firsthand just how unpleasant it is, and I'm hoping everybody out there is uh, staying safe and can return to health as soon as possible because I know a lot of people are feeling unwell right now. But the soccer world pushes on as always after our episode featuring a deep dive into the UWS, the other women's league, the the newest one, the USLW, which is going to be premiering in 2022, made lots of big news with Kalamazoo FC announcing that they will be fielding a team in the new women's league, as will the Flint Bucks, who uh, made an interesting move by buying out Corktown AFC, and now they'll be Flint AFC, and they'll be participating. So the USLW definitely spiced up a little bit last week with the addition of those new teams. So lots to uh, dig into there on the women's side. And I want to tip the cap to Dwan Jones, Lansing resident, Michigan State Spartan, and New England Revolution. A player, he got his call up to the national team. He is in the January camp, so kudos to him. A Michigander doing big things. And uh, kudos to the Muskegon Risers. They had uh, what looked like a very exciting indoor soccer weekend with a doubleheader. Both their men's and women's team getting wins up there on the uh, west coast of the state. Uh, A development at the beginning of this week as Detroit City FC kicked off their USL championship roster announcements. Uh, They kicked it all off by announcing that Captain Steve Carroll will be returning for this next step in uh, Detroit City's evolution. We'll see how that progresses. A very unique situation seeing how that roster is built in their first year in this new league. But let's dig in. This week's interview is with Eric Rudland, who uh, has held many positions in soccer in Michigan. Between youth, college, pro, scouting, putting on combines. He's really done a variety of things. And we talked to him about uh, his role at AFC Ann Arbor. Uh, He just put on the Midwest Pro Soccer Combine. We're going to talk a little bit about scouting and putting on the combine, as well as AFC Ann Arbor's return to the field. As you remember, Ann Arbor has not been on the field since this whole pandemic broke out. So they We'll be making a return both in USL League 2 and the USL League W. So, without further ado, here's my interview with Eric Rudland. Up next, I'm very proud to introduce our next guest among many things in Michigan soccer. He is the owner and sporting director of AFC Ann Arbor, as well as the owner and director of the Midwest Pro Soccer Combine. Mr. Eric Rudland, thank you for joining Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. Yeah, 100%, Robert. Excited to be on. Thanks for taking the time, man, and uh, thanks for all you do for for the local soccer community here. 
Oh, my pleasure, my pleasure. So uh, a number of different topics, as like I said, uh, uh, you have a, a number of positions in soccer. Um, I guess uh, as a review, the uh, Midwest uh, Pro Soccer Combine happened uh, just ahead of the holidays. Um, what can you tell us? How, how did that all pan out and who showed out to you? Yeah, no, it's, uh, we were excited to be back up and running this past December. You know, obviously we didn't have an event in 2020. Um, and, and quite frankly, we were a little bit on edge, you know, our, our pro club's still going to come out, you know, and be a part of the event after being off for a year, you know, what's the interest going to be like from a player standpoint. Um, and by all means, uh, it was, it was an exceptional event, um, from a talent perspective, I felt like there were some guys who showed really well, um, some players that, that I know the clubs have already followed up with. Um, and then, you know, from a, from a pro club turnout standpoint, we had one of our largest turnouts that, that we've seen um, since we started hosting the event in 2016. So, you know, by and all, you know, really positive, um, happy that we could kick back off the event. And, you know, now it's that fun part where we get to see, you know, which of the players end up signing, you know, onto, onto pro rosters over the next couple of weeks here. Uh, so your uh, combine, the Midwest uh, Pro Soccer Combine, I think I saw that you've been doing it since uh, 2016 or so, and uh, the soccer landscape is is much different now. And uh, you were you were worried about? It sounds like you were worried. Maybe we'll see what the interest is, and there was more than you expected. Yeah, we had. Uh, I think we ended up with 19 pro clubs who came in. Um, you know, a couple couple clubs are maybe scouting for for two teams in their in their organization, like Real Salt Lake, uh, Seattle Sounders. Um, we had uh, Chicago Fire in, Columbus Crew. You know, those clubs obviously run a first team and a reserve team. But then we also had a really great turnout, you know, of uh, USL Championship, USL League One, uh, and NISA clubs um, who came out to the event. So, you know, when you look at the exposure that our players were able to receive you know, over the two days, it's, uh, it's pretty fantastic. That sounds like an intense uh, couple days of um, of action and working. So in general, it's kind of hard. Maybe it was two years ago, but how was the level of uh, player in general compared to last time out? And then who, uh, what specific individuals uh, were really impressive and really showed showed their uh, quality? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think there were you know a number of players who showed really well. I mean, to compare the level. I think maybe the level was was slightly higher than 2019, you know, with MLS changing their combine format. You know, we've seen kind of a trickle down effect of some some pretty high level guys, um, you know, for whatever reason, not getting into the MLS event uh, and, and looking at options like ours where maybe they can get in front of even more pro clubs from different levels. So, you know, Jake Erlinson from from Bowling Green, I was a player who was in for the MLS event and also came in for our event. You know, local guy played for the Flint City Bucks this past summer. showed showed really well. You know, I think uh, it'd be fantastic to see a player like his profile um, get drafted. Um, you know, I think uh, you know a couple couple of the local guys to mention uh, from, from from schools here. Dimitri um, Polanco's from University of Detroit. I, I mm -hmm. think he showed really well, and I think that's that's why we run this event is is for under the radar guys like him who played him in major school um, to come out and show, show. And I think he showed really well. Uh, Noah Jensen was another player to note, uh, you know, who had a fantastic fall at Oakland and, and a really good summer last summer with uh, Flint city. Um, Michael Miller from Michigan state was out. 
I thought he showed, you know, really well throughout the course of the event. Um, and then we also had, a, you know, players from the, the ACC. We had guys from Syracuse, um, you know, Virginia Commonwealth. You know, we had guys really coming in from all over San Diego State. Um, you know, it's, it's turned into a national event. So it's, it's really neat to see uh, players come in from their respective geographies and, and all compete for two days and, and put their best foot forward. Well, I didn't realize that. I thought it was uh, pretty local centric. So you had people traveling in order to be at this event. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and we had guys from all over. Um, I mean, every time zone, uh, not every conference, but you know, most regions were represented with a with a handful of players. So um, it's you know, we started this to really highlight the players in our backyard. You know, who maybe weren't getting the the looks that that we thought they should. Um, but it's obviously it's it's grown into much bigger than that. Um, and it's, it's been neat to see that evolution of the, of the combine. Yeah, the MLS draft, I believe is going down on January 11th. Um, are there players that could possibly, that weren't invited to the, the like the closed MLS, uh, combine event that could potentially get drafted next week? I believe so. You know, there's no doubt about that. I mean, you look at the way the MLS has changed that changed that event. They actually have a lot of underclassmen that they bring in to that closed door event now. Um, and, and, you know, most of those underclassmen are probably going to decide to stay in, in school, you know, and, and play another season of college soccer. So you take players from that event, you know, who don't end up actually enter, entering the draft. And that opens up, you know, draft spots for, you know, guys like the, the players who came into the Midwest Pro Combine, you know, or, or other players who maybe were not invited to that, into that closed door event. Um so yeah, I, w- I would anticipate you know a, l- a lot of players from outside of that 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 are drafted. Um, there's been a lot of just soccer news in general, a lot of USL news this week as far as the the, the rapid expansion of USLW, and then also a number of at least two that I saw today and yesterday, a USL players getting moves to Europe. Do you think that with um, USL having a much larger footprint and that um, was a proof of concept of USL players can get picked up. Do you think that that can only increase the combine and then, you know, interest in players coming to the USL? Yeah, I think it's, it's you, you know, from a purist standpoint, right, who believes in, um, you know, developing players and selling them and moving them on, you know, it's, it's, it's really neat to see that evolution. I think USL, you know, believes in that model. I'd like to think that, you know, our work at AFC Ann Arbor with Stanley Okumu, who came through our system and went to Real Monarchs and then went to Ellsberg and now is at, uh, at Dent in Belgium, um, you know, was, was another one of those fantastic storylines, right, of, of guys who have jumped the levels and eventually found their way to Europe. So I think I saw Junior Fleming uh, today, you know, is, is, is going from mm-hmm. Birmingham um, overseas. Uh, you know, th- those are the types of storylines you want to see. I think it's good for the league. I think it's proof of concept in terms of, of what we can offer uh, as a pathway for players. Um, and hopefully there's a business element as well. You know, we were able to get a solidarity payment for uh, Stanley Okumu. And, and hopefully, you know, there's more of that, right? I think that's going to help the league remain stable and, uh, you know, provide a revenue stream and, and a way to recoup costs that you're investing into a player's development. Um, and then, yeah, with the, with the, with the USLW league, 
you know, we, we made the move at AFC Ann Arbor uh, back in, I think we announced it in December, but it had been in the works for a while. And we felt like in our region here, there'd be some other clubs uh, who would jump on board. And, and obviously you see, you know, Kalamazoo now and uh, in Flint City, uh, who will be adding franchises into the league. And I think it's, it's fantastic for local competition. Um, it eases some of the travel costs, obviously, for, for the clubs here in our region. Um, and it gives more more women opportunities to play at the next level. So this is this is all really, really positive news. Yeah, I mean, it's great to see after the pandemic. I wasn't sure if that would fizzle out the momentum we had going in here or if it was just going to make people hungry for more. And I'm not quite sure what the answer is there, but it's definitely there's definitely more soccer going on or definitely like a potential for a whole lot of soccer going on this year. Yeah, I think what what at least my experience has been, you know, through the pandemic is you just have, you know, every club found a little bit of downtime to plan out growth strategies and, and you know, wh- where can we make tweaks? What can we do better? Um, so it has been cool to see um, this movement, you know, happen and, and, and more soccer, right? I think everybody's eager for it. And, you know, we're looking forward to a fantastic season coming up. Yeah, so kind of narrowing in on your role at AFC Ann Arbor, you were the the head coach for a number number of years. But another uh, a news item that came out in December was that uh, you're going to be the sporting director, and you hired a new coach. Um, what can you tell us about uh, your new coach, uh, uh, Rod Aslani? Rod's been with us for the past few seasons, um, so it's you know it's reassuring. It's a, it's a really smooth transition. Super high level coach. Um, you know, he's deserving of his opportunity, you know, with, with our club. Um, he actually left during the 2021 season because we didn't play. Uh, and he was an assistant with the Michigan Stars in NISA. So, you know, he's got his um, UEFA A license. He's, he's spent time with pro clubs in Albania. And uh, he's had some great experiences here in the States as well. So, you know, I have full faith and, um, and I'm excited to see what he's going to do with the team on the field. Uh, my role actually is, is it will stay somewhat similar in the team building, uh, you know, component of uh, of my responsibilities. Whereas I'm I'm still actively involved day in and day out with putting the roster together uh, on the men's side and working with Rod to do that, obviously. But now I have more time uh, to help out Boise Kamalo on the women's side as well. You know, the club, our owners felt like with this move to the W League, you know, we really wanted to make sure that uh, the resources were you know, allocated equally, you know, between the men's and the women's uh, team uh, just to look out for the best interest of the club and kind of set, set us all up for success moving forward. So that's essentially my, my role or, or the shift in my role and responsibility, I'd say. Yeah, the USLW League um, 2022 will be their first year and right out the gates, you know, you guys, Detroit, on uh, a Flint came out this week and Kalamazoo this week and Midwest United had, uh, you know, a couple months ago. Um, what is the, the, the force, what is the driver behind this explosion of, uh, women's teams and this, and the, the, the new USLW league? You know, I think there's two things. One, um, you know, USL, I think has a strong reputation of, of, of doing well, just in terms of organization and administration of leagues that they put out. And, and I think when you start looking at lower level leagues across the board, there, there's pros and cons to every league, right? Um, but definitely one of USL's strengths is um, just the back support that we have, you know, from their front office down in Tampa and uh, the resources, right, that we're able to tap into with having clubs 
and leagues, you know, that kind of fill the full gamut of, of the game, you know, from the amateur level all the way to the pro level. So, you know, there's definitely added value and benefit uh, from being a part of that type of structure. And so, you know, that, that was appealing for us when we made the move into USL2 on the men's side. Um, and it was only a natural progression then for us to make the move on the women's side to have, you know, both of our teams playing under the same uh, governing body and, and umbrella is, is, is just something that, you know, is appealing to us uh, for a lot of reasons. And then I think, too, you know, when you start talking about having more clubs locally, there's just that benefit of, you know, local games, um, competition, fans being able to travel to away matches, you know, all of these things I think are advantageous for clubs at, at our level. I am uh, an avid Oakland County FC fan, and we had the the pleasure of uh, playing you guys in the Milk Cup in 2019, and never would I have thought that uh, <laughs> that was one of the last games we'd 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 see you in for quite some time. Because uh, AFC in our Ann Arbor, of course, um, has uh, I don't know what the term is dormant or has stayed off the field uh, since the pandemic broke out. Uh, you know, two seasons away. Um, I guess what has the club been doing and then what should fans uh, be looking for is, is like the, the re-entering into the, the playing side of things. We, we've still been really active. Um, I give our chairman Bilal Saeed and, and our ownership group a lot of credit. You know, they have, they've really found, I think, unique ways to stay active in the community. Um, we have the Mighty Oak Youth Foundation, which is a nonprofit profit sector of our, of our club. Um, you know, who's, who's, you know, given back both time, energy and resources um, to, to local organizations, to charities, um, to grassroots efforts, you know, both from a soccer standpoint and just from an athletic standpoint, health, nutrition, education, all those things. Right. So, you know, that's definitely been an outlet to, to stay um, engaged, uh, you know, and so so that aspect has been ticking over. But, you know, on the soccer side, you know, we're kind of starting from scratch. <laughs> you know, you don't play two seasons and, you know, you know how transient our rosters are in the summertime with players coming and going. So, you know, I've kind of warned our supporters group and our owners, like, you know, we might not have many returning players this next year. We're, we're kind of starting with the blank slate. Um, and if we can if we can get, you know, two or three returning players, that that's kind of a win. Um, whereas in the past, you know, we kind of want to be at that 55, 60 percent uh, returning, you know, because that's that's something we always prided ourselves on. So it's, it's definitely going to be uh, an exciting time on the soccer side as we as we put a lot of new pieces together on the field. Yeah, I I can imagine that there there wouldn't be a lot of holdover. Yeah, like you said, the the same team from the beginning of the summer isn't usually the same team at the end of a season. So two years later, uh, I can imagine it's a, a a lot of new faces. Um, so I guess uh, where would um you be pooling the players from? Like, would you just be kind of just starting fresh, just uh, looking through all the scouting stuff from the combine, or like how are you gonna? Are you putting together both the men's and the women's team, or how is that all going to work? We're, we're essentially trying to use the same um, strategy we have in the past, you know, for, for, from a team building standpoint, specifically on the men's side. And then we're also trying to implement that strategy on the women's side. So, you know, we have allocated housing spots to bring players in from outside the area. And those, those players really have to be difference makers for us. You know, players who can fit into the first 11, who um, have the potential to, to move on and play at the next level. Uh, and, and, and the character piece is huge as well, right? We want players who are going to, you know, train and act like professionals and represent the club well in the community. So 
we're working those networks, you know, through college coaches and agents and some overseas um, organizations that we've worked with in the past, you know, to, to really try to bring in the the top players that we can and and put a, put a good team together. And, you know, the other piece is obviously rounding out the roster with local players. So, uh, you know, university of Michigan and other local schools that are nearby, you know, we want to obviously leverage our relationship with them to, to take care of their players in the summertime and, and try to help push them forward in their careers um, while they're with us. So, so it's uh, it, it, it's really, um, it's a balancing act, you know, you gotta, gotta work the local market and, and the community, but also bring players in from outside who can be difference makers. And we also are starting a new program this year where we want to try to bring in uh, some U19 players, you know, who could be future, future players for us, but provide them an opportunity to train in our environment to understand what we're about and hopefully in a year or two they're they're ready to make an impact with the first team. It's so um <clears throat> how many teams are you uh fielding this year? So we'll have our our men's team and our women's team uh j- just two teams um but we anticipate you know obviously you know training numbers we we build out so we can um you know have access to players when and if needed, you know, so that's where the concept of you're maybe bringing in some younger players for training comes in. The Mighty Oak have played at a couple different venues in Ann Arbor. Um, is there a, a location or a venue selected for 2022 just yet? Great question. Um, that's the million dollar. Uh, that's the million dollar question at the moment. So we, yeah, we're in the works. Our, our market's very tough here in Ann Arbor, just with the limited access to facilities. You know, we're looking at obviously the university and then and then the, the public school system. Um, which there's, there's, uh, you know, there, there's not issues, but there's obviously hurdles you have to overcome to be able to use, uh, facilities in our, in our market. So we're having conversations and we feel good about a couple of the options that we've closed in on, but we still have to finalize that. Okay. TBA on where AFC Ann Arbor will play last summer, the USL two division. Um, I mean, it was a very exciting summer of soccer last year. So many last second goals. And uh, up until the last couple of weeks was a very, very uh, tight race. Um, what, what sort of level of competitiveness do you think you, Ann Arbor is going to be able to jump into having had the time off? I mean, we always pride ourselves on making the playoffs. You know, we've done that every year uh, on the men's side. We obviously only had one season on the women's side, but you know, that, that's the goal is, is we want to, we want to put ourselves in a position where we can attain a playoff spot. So I think you look on the men's side, uh, we've got six teams in, in the state of Michigan, you know, and only two of those teams will, will get through to the playoffs. It's kind of the way it's drawn up right now in USL um, too. So that's our goal. You know, we want to position ourselves to, to make a run. And, you know, we always say, if you're in a position to make the playoffs, once you get in, it's, you know, may the best team win, you know? And so we very much want that opportunity for, for our players and our, and our fans and our community to be a part of that. So um, we're still waiting to see what the division is going to look like on the women's side, you know, and how the playoff structure is going to work out. But I think our goal will be the same on the women's is we want to want to put our team in a position where we can advance. Uh, we're at a time now where there's, there's more teams than ever uh, in Michigan. And uh, I know in the UWS, there's more UWS teams in Michigan than any other state. Um, do you what at what point what's the what do you think is like the the, the breaking point at, at what point is too many or do you think there that's not a thing do you think that more the merrier no matter what 
it, it's great to see the number of teams, you know, and I think that I don't think there's a cap necessarily on how many teams, right? But there's definitely a cap in terms of quality, right? So you start looking at, you know, what's what's the high quote unquote highest highest league in the state, highest level in the state. You know, there's only there's only uh, you know a handful of players locally who can play at that level, right? So, you know, I don't think the the, the market can get saturated from a quantity standpoint, but I do think the market can get saturated from a quality standpoint. Um, and so, you know, when teams have resources to bring players in from outside the area, um, you know, I think that obviously enhances the the quality. Um, and I think that's going to, it's going to be really interesting specifically on the women's side, you know, because this summer there'll probably be more women's teams playing in Michigan than, than there ever have been. Um, and obviously we've kind of seen that growth already happen on the men's side. So uh, we'll be watching closely to see, you know, what's what's the overall level look like? How are how are teams finding success? Where are they bringing players from? Um, and I, you look at a market like Midwest, you know, on the women's side specifically, you know, they're kind of the only club in town over there, and they have a really strong youth system and a huge player pool on the girls' side. Um, you know, and they've done very very well in their local market. But I think that's very much a, a one-off uh, situation, right? Where you look at other clubs who've got a couple clubs in the in the backyard all battling for the same players. Um, what, what do you want to see? Like, what what would be your um, like? Come August, you know these seasons are through. What is uh, your goal for twenty twenty two for Ann Arbor? You, you know, we want to we want to you know our, our goal all along has been obviously to make an impact in the community and remain um, uh, sustainable. You know, so. We, we want to have a season this year that sets us up well for, for 2023. You know, we want, obviously, from a soccer perspective to, to show what we can do on the field and kind of regain our reputation. And then also on the business side of the club, you know, we, we need ticket sales. We need sponsor dollars. You know, we need to make an impact in the community that sets us up, uh, you know, to, to be sustainable moving forward. So I think really that, that's what it comes down to. And that's our mission this next season. Do you think that uh, kind of jumping around here a little bit, kind of going back to the, the the combine note? Do you think that a lot of the players um, that you saw or you brought in, do you think any of them land <clears throat> at uh, Detroit now that they are in the professional, uh, like the second division? Very, very possible. Yeah, we had we had their entire staff out, uh, you know, at the event, scouting players and and, and looking at talent. So I think it's it's definitely possible that they look at bringing a player to in for a supplemental trial, um, and maybe maybe one of those guys ends up making their roster. Uh, I think you know they're it's still been a little bit to be determined of how they're going to put their team together. I've, I've had some conversations with Trevor James about that, uh, and, and I think they're working the strategy as well as their their budget. But uh, you know, if they can build off of their previous successes, you know, hopefully they can position themselves well. But it is a big jump, you know, from NISA to USL Championship um, it is a big jump just in terms of the the, the competitive level and, and, and the type of player um, that's on those rosters and the type of experience on those rosters. So, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to see him play. You know, I think it's a, it's a great move for their club and um, I hope it goes well for them. Yeah, it's truly a unique, uh, a unique situation. I'm very curious to see how they they put it all together. Um, uh, I, we haven't really. It's a unique situation, you know, jumping up leagues like that, and not a lot of uh, professional, or at least uh, outs outdoor uh, professional um, 
experience and just jumping up leagues is just unique in its own way. How many local guys do you keep on? How many guys from previous successes do you keep on? I mean, I'm sure there's some sort of a balance there, but um, if there was going to be, um, I guess you, you spend some time scouting in the USL for one of the, the, uh, the most famed teams in the Rowdies. Um, do you think that, is going to be a decent step up or is it going to be like a huge culture shock? Cause I, in all honesty, I haven't watched a lot of USL championship. Yeah, no, I mean, my, my professional opinion is it's, it's going to be a big jump up and obviously they're, you know, Detroit city's fortunate to have Trevor James there. Who's got experience at that level and knows how to put a team together and, and what the, the qualities of those types of player profiles look like. So, um, you know, I think they'll, they'll have a, a very small handful of returning guys, you know, from their previous roster who, who could fit in and be competitive at that level. And they're going to be looking to bring players in who already have experience in that league. Um, you know, to speak to the Rowdies model, you know, I, I think their model has been very successful because they primarily look at bringing players in uh, who have experience at the level and um, who are proven, right? You have to have a majority of your roster with that type of profile to be successful. And then you bring in, you know, whatever you're, you know, your balances, your roster are a handful of players who you're taking a chance on, but you feel really, really strong about bringing them into the league in that level, whether it's an international player you're bringing in or a college player who's making a move up or a guy from USL League One or whatever the case is. So, you know, you have to you have to kind of have a plan and, uh, and a vision in place in terms of how your roster is going to break down. But, um, yeah, I think it's, you know, to say that it's not a big jump, jump up is, is a pretty naive thought or a pretty naive statement. That's good to know. That's good to know. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see um, how it all plays out. But it'll be fun uh, no matter what the result is. It's it's a it's a very cool development. But switching back to you personally, um, you you do a lot of different things. Uh, we didn't even touch on your involvement in in the youth soccer here um, with someone that. You know, I imagine almost all of your days are consumed with soccer stuff. Like, what are the things? I mean, anytime when you do a lot of thing in one world, it's possible to get burned out, or you know, it becomes a normal thing. It soccer and working in sports is a fun thing, but it's probably a normal thing for you. What are some of the things that that keeps you like really driving on? And you're obviously passionate. What are the things after spending 10, 20 years in the soccer world, what, what, what still gives you the joy and the energy to keep doing it? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a really good question, Robert. I mean, for me, it's, it's um, the motivation is, is obviously, you know, working with players, helping players, you know, providing them the pathway, whether it's a youth player, college player, professional player. Right. I think that's, that's really a lot of the satisfaction is just, is is being to help guys out or, or girls out. Um, you know, and then the other element for me is, you know, just on a personal level is, is finding new challenges, you know? So whether it's, um, you know, jumping in as a, you know, league two head coach, or if it's starting the combine, if it's, um, now shifting to sporting director, you know, these are all different evolutions, you know, just in, in my own, um, you know, touch on the game and involvement in the game. Right. So I think that's, that's what keeps things kind of fresh. Right. When you're when you're looking at new projects and, and new responsibilities. Um, and I think every every coach, everybody involved in the game is going to go through those, um, you know, evolutions. Right. And, and and settle on something. And then in a few years, they're, they're looking for a different challenge. And so that's 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 what always keeps me going. 
What uh, this might be a toughie because you've obviously watched a lot of soccer. But one thing I do like to ask is, what's um, the best goal or your the, the, your favorite, most memorable goal that you've seen in person? Oh, that's a good, that's a good question. I mean, if we're going to stick on the AFC Ann Arbor, we uh, <clears throat> I think this one came out on social media in the last couple of days is would have been the uh, 2018 season, I believe, when we scored like in the 94th minute you know, to, uh, to go to, to, to extra time, um, to tie the game. It was, uh, the, the regional championship, um, Assad, Assad Liotti, who's not this past season was with Tormenta FC in USL league one scored that, uh, that goal to tie the game. And it was, it was an electric environment, great moment, fantastic goal. Um, so I've seen a lot of great goals in my time, you know, when you've been around the game, as long as I have, whether I've, I was a part of it as a coach, a spectator, a player, et cetera. Um, but that one sticks out just because uh, just because I remembered it the other day when I saw it online. Indeed, indeed. Um, is there any other uh, information about uh, your club that you'd want to share uh, while we're still on the line? No, I think we've covered it all. Appreciate the opportunity to to share feedback and answer questions. And um, you know, again, thanks for all you do for the local game. Yes, uh, Eric Rudland owner and sporting director of AFC Ann Arbor, who will be fielding teams in USL2 and the brand new USLW League. Thank you so much for uh, spending time on Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. Thanks, Robert. This week's episode of Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. Thank you to Eric for joining me this week. USL 2, as well as the new USLW, are looking to be very exciting leagues this summer. Listener, be sure to send in your team of the week. Even though there's a little bit less action going on in these frozen months, there's still plenty of action. Send in your nominations for a team who had an outstanding week on the field or is doing something uh, very uh, commendable off the pitch. Send us your team of the week to any of the accounts, be it We Are Soccer or Michigan Soccer Central. That is a collaborative thing. We like to celebrate Michigan teams that are doing things on and off the field. So, before my voice gives out and give myself a little bit of rest, I want to thank Jenny Hajnaki for editing the show once again, Dan Katranza for making the music for the show, and all the folks at Michigan Soccer Central. Check out Michigan Soccer Central's uh, social media channels. There is an endless supply of information and news about our sport right there on that one hub. So, until next week, stay healthy, let's all get better together, and enjoy your soccer.